The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with Jim Cramer. We're live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has this Friday morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to wrap up. Another exciting week in our markets, and you can see we are looking for a higher open this morning. But we'll see how we end. All right, let's get to our roadmap. It does start with Boeing yet again. Space trouble. Its new Starliner spacecraft failing to enter its planned target orbit for docking with the International Space Station. Plus, of course, can't forget that record run for stocks. The S&P is on track for what would be its fourth straight weekly gain and it is closing in on its best year since 2010. And in corporate news, Nike, earnings beat. Sales for its Jordan brand hit a billion dollars. We'll talk about a Nike, of course, the exit of Mark Parker, its longtime CEO, also growing very near. Right. Well, as you saw, futures are pointing to uh, more record highs for stocks. Nike is pulling back in the pre-market despite posting better than expected quarterly earnings and revenue. The results coming, as I just said, as Mark Parker gets ready to pass the CEO range to John Donahoe. That's going to be next month. Uh, and we can see the stock is looking now to be down a bit. But it was a strong quarter. Oh, well, that's quarter. ridiculous. The, There's uh, like 72 price target increases. It's crazy. It's going to be up be up on Monday, if not now. It's a really magnificent quarter. People are upset about the 40 bips, 40 base points, tariffs. They're idiots. By the way, the Chuck is selling well. The who? The Chuck. Oh, the Chuck. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. What? I don't think I can take you seriously. You don't at all. like this. I knew you were going to have to comment on my look today. But, well, what is that combination? It's, it's, I mean, are you I like don't want to wear a tie, all right? Me, what is the combination? You wear a tie. I've seen I wear, you. I sleep in a tie. So what? You do. I've seen you Go at all hours. Hang myself. What is that, though? All right, anyway, it's we got to get back to it. was cold this morning. Yeah, I put okay. it on, and I don't want to no, take it off. We're not outside. We're inside. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let's talk about Nike. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. so now John Donahoe is, pay, is, yeah. is taking the job. This is such a magnificent transition. Yeah. Parker is, without a doubt, the great leader, but he's Belichick, okay? He's a Belichick figure, and now it's time for a kinder, kinder gentler CEO. Donahoe's going to be kinder and gentler? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But most importantly, it's a technology company that sells shoes. And in order to be able to do that, you need a technologist, and that's what Donahoe is. Personalized technology to make your shoes direct to consumer Really rather remarkable. This conference call had everything you want, including some interesting discussion between Matthew Boss, my fave over J.P. Morgan, yes. and Parker about how they can beat their algorithm every single quarter. And the answer is the product. People love it. Now, I don't even know whether most people know who Jordan is. Well, I mean, from of- now it's like crossing Jordan. 
I mean, do they know that he played basketball? I, I think there's still some awareness of him, having a couple of teenagers. Certainly my older one knows who Michael Jordan is. The Chinese is, but, numbers are incredible. The chi- I, that was exactly where I was going. And yes. they do spend a lot of time on the conference call discussing how important China is. Well, it is. And they more- continue to just make inroads in an incredibly con- important market for them. My conclusion, a lot of feet in China. Yes, there are. A lot of feet. A lot. But I have to tell you, David, in terms of a well-orchestrated conference call, always the best there is. I will miss Mark Parker for his rigor. He is probably the most rigorous conference call giver anyone has ever seen. And he will be missed. That's quite a statement. I have to. Anyone has no, they ever do. They seen. orchestrate it. They give, you, they give you three bullet points. Then everyone has to go through the three. It's like a very good Shakespearean play, more of a history than a comedy. Right. And it just, he just doesn't miss a point. It's buttressed over and over again. And when you're finished, they get the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy belongs to them every time. This was a magnificent quarter. The fact that the stock is down refl- reflects lunatics who don't have anything else to do. Well, look at the performance during his, uh, his tenure as CEO. Well, I think it's pretty now, good. the end here, of course, with the Salazar stuff, with a number of other things. Well, you have to rain on my parade here? I'm not raining on your parade. I'm just go read Shoe Dog. Go read Shoe Dog. I've read Shoe Dog. Well, then you know that the company, the company has, um, they, there's some warts and all. Yes, there are. Yes, I'm not so happy was, with some of that. So it was a great, uh, great the, book, look by between the, way, the but lines. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking the about. Between the lines, now. this is the best company, one of the best American manufacturers. Outside the lines, not so hot. But John Donahue, I think John Donahue. Yeah. It's ServiceNow, mm-hmm. David. Yes. Look at the look at the. Let's get the chart of ServiceNow to see how John Donahue has done. Remember, you heard it from Frank Slootman, who was magnificently interviewed by Scott Wapner when Scott Wapner was recently in California. Slootman to, to Donahoe, and then David who? Who's taking over service now? Yeah. Hint, hint, SAP. I know. I know. He already has, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah, right. he's, he's there. Right he's right yeah. now. And uh, I have to tell you that this is such a right move by Nike. That's who they need because, boy, the next level, personalization technology, there was nothing Donahoe didn't know. Uh, I was surprised that Bill McDermott, who was so big at SAP, went and then took ServiceNow. He's going to make ServiceNow into Accenture meets Deloitte and then tackles even, yes, SAP. But I loved Parker. I will admit, well, he's going to be, he's, look, he's got executive chairman. We're not done with him yet. But I think I revere him, David. I'm over here. I know. I'm just looking at what we got coming up because I want to talk a little bit with you about the markets before we get to this Boeing Starliner story. We can't have a morning where we don't talk about Boeing. But no, you have to. I mean, here's Tesla. Tesla related. knocking on the 420 door. 420 being what, David? 420 being what? <laughs> now, David, we're on air and you can stop looking at your... Hey, this listen, is Sparky. This was, this was important and it explained something that I was wondering about. So, well, if, listen... I don't advise, I have told young journalists out there, don't report by text. However, when you're on live television, it is a way to communicate, and I'm learning a couple of things that will be helpful during the course of our well, show. Well, you don't have anyone that said, darn show today. That said, let's talk about the broader market for a second. We did hit new highs on the S&P yesterday. Well, there's seem, no- I've heard you actually say, well, as t- is typical, different things, but you seem a bit worried about, in, well, we are about the levels. We are overbought. I mean... It's just we come in every day and there's Tesla short coverers. We come in every day and my absolute favorite stock, NVIDIA, someone comes in and says top idea. There's nobody who is saying, you know what, can we just take a little break and sort things out? I would like to hear that. Even though I am bullish, I would like to hear that. 
Uh, I listened to the Democratic debate yesterday, the, last night. None of those candidates I find is really interested in your 401k. No, they're they're talking. Well, we're going to get to that, actually, what yeah. they were talking about. They're not about. in favor of China. I got to tell you, she should take the deal or he's going to be facing a wheel. You think that it, any of the Democrats would be as tough, if not tougher, tougher. than the current tougher. administration? No, they are. It's about climate control. It's religious. Right. And it's religious. Also, it's religious persecution. They didn't really talk about jobs at all. Big ag buys. No, I mean, they're talking about a titanic struggle between two great nations. That sounds like your buddy Ron Vara. <laughs> kind of. Ron, Ron's Rare not as interested in climate change. I keep trying to get Ron no, to focus on coal. Ron doesn't care about climate change. No, no, no. Ron's not uh, focused on coal. The entire administration is not particularly interested. The well, president the spends a lot of his time it's railing not, against... Uh, 28%... Uh, uh, of, light bulbs that he the light, light bulbs, bulbs actually and, cut the light bulbs shockingly have cut electric use by as much as 40 like percent and the toilets 40%. that use too little water that I'm not as focused on uh, but there is a uh, coal still 28 percent of our which is going down after coal what's the second greatest greenhouse gas destroy uh, destroyer of our of our environment methane and who produces methane after coal plants number two or the oil and gas no what? Cows. Oh, cows. That's cows. why we want to go beyond meat. Cows, right. I'm looking at my executive producer right now. Todd comes Bowen. out of there. Is, is he focused on what I'm saying? Because this beyond meat call is so big. He's focused. He, he, just said, always... he just said moo, which is M-U, Micron, breaking out. He is always What did you think of Sanjay Marota? He was pretty Todd great. Bonin. We uh, Everything you see here is well, I'm doing that shout out because it is, it is the season to be jolly. It is. And I want and to people to thank know our incredible our staff. Producers, and he's unbelievable yes. and our staff is amazing. All I right. want to thank them. Now's the because time in the right show when we have to talk about Boeing. So let's get to it this morning. It's Starliner launched just hours ago, but the spacecraft has been experiencing some issues. Morgan Brennan is at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Best place for her to be to explain what's going on. Morgan. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the right place to be, especially as we await a press conference that was originally supposed to start at 9 a.m. Eastern and has since been pushed back to about 9.30. Um, the launch itself this morning, which took place at 6.36 this morning, went off successfully, went off as was to be expected with Boeing Starliner vehicle sitting atop uh, an Atlas V rocket made by United Launch Alliance, which is that joint venture between Lockheed Martin and Boeing. The liftoff itself was good. When it came time to get into orbit, that is when the anomaly occurred. An off-nominal insertion, that is the term that is being used. Basically what happened is Starliner did not achieve the correct orbit to be able to uh, achieve rendezvous with the International Space Station, which is where that spacecraft uh, is headed and uh, has been planned to go uh, to go visit, to go dock to and, and stay with for the next week as part of this unmanned test. There are no people, as I just mentioned, unmanned. There are no people on board uh, this vehicle right now. However, um, this was a key, really essentially final test. There's supposed to be a final test to show that Starliner, um, how it would operate when it goes to space. It was its for, This is its first flight to space uh, before astronauts are poised to begin uh, getting on board and using it to go to the International Space Station. So as I mentioned, it's still very much a developing story. Uh, what we do know is that um, the flight controllers do have control of the spacecraft, uh, that it's in a stable orbit. We've been getting updates along the way 
as well. It's a little windy here. Along the way as well, um, Boeing Space has said that the flight controllers have just completed an adjustment burn and are assessing next steps. Just a few moments ago, Jim Bridenstein, the administrator of NASA, um, saying that because Starliner believed it was an, an orbital insertion burn that the dead bands were reduced, the spacecraft burned more fuel than anticipated to maintain precise control. Uh, but that they're getting good burns and are elevating the orbit of the spacecraft. So still unclear uh, what is going to happen now with Starliner. We are expecting updates at this news conference uh, and whether there is still an opportunity, there's still a window in which uh, they can basically adjust and fix the situation and the spacecraft can actually make its way to the ISS or whether uh, they're going to have to find a way to land it. Um, it's developing. We don't have a, a, a whole lot of details yet, but I will bring you the headlines once I get them. Guys? Um, Morgan, Morgan, real quick for me, um, find a way to land it. Can you, can you give us any more idea of what that means, what that would be? It, yes. So this is a... Um, this is a spacecraft, this is a vehicle that was designed for a ground-based or land-based landing, which is actually pretty unusual. Um, and the way it would land is it comes uh, back into the atmosphere, you have three parachutes that deploy, and then a cushion that basically comes up, erupts from uh, the bottom of the vehicle uh, to help it land and cushion the landing uh, on the ground. Now, it was expected, it was supposed to link up with the ISS early tomorrow morning, stay for a week. It's bringing cargo as well to the astronauts at the ISS, and then come back down for this type of landing next Saturday, uh, the 28th, at White Sands in New Mexico. Uh, so, presumably, if that is the decision that they make now with Starliner uh, to bring it back, um, I would imagine that they're going to be targeting that type of landing and, and look to recover the spacecraft. Which, by the way, these Boeing spacecraft have been designed for multiple reuse, uh, just like the SpaceX Crew Dragon spacecraft that is also part of this NASA program, which is called Commercial Crew, and which is such a big deal, uh, given the fact that it has such big implications for returning human spaceflight capability to this country. Got it. Uh, Morgan, uh, we will be uh, standing by for your updated reporting. Thank you. Uh, Morgan Brennan, of course, uh, at the Kennedy Space Center. I spent a lot of time with uh, Jensen Wong. Uh, Jensen the, the, Wong, the CEO of NVIDIA. He, Yesterday he, you said he's the smartest man in is. the world, maybe? Yes. Yeah, forget. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah. Um, and he, is develop he has the machine, the chips, that are developing the sequence that will make it so that our men, our na men and women, NASA, will land precisely on Mars. Oh, yes, you've told me and, that. And, and, and these guys can't get this trajectory right? I mean, Jensen's got it to the point where he can send the thing so it comes within going at, like, 20,000 miles an hour and still land safely right. on Mars. It's a calculations issue. Except he and hasn't done it. No, but, no he's working on the simulation yeah, but right he now. hasn't done it. No, no, but he's t it takes a long time. Yes, I would Im imagine. Jensen does simulations in his sleep that, uh, be that people who are brilliant and awake at Stanford cannot do. In his sleep, you, you he does. Wow. What a romance that is. Sure. Uh, up next... Jim's going to have his mad dash, and he's not, he's promised me, he's not going to talk about Jensen Wong or NVIDIA. He's going to talk about something entirely different. Tesla. <laughs> Take a look at futures <laughs> as we get you ready for an opening bell here. It's Friday, last day of trading this week. One of the last of the actual year here as we wrap things up. More Squawk on the Street, though, straight ahead from the NYC. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? 
at Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. All right, let's get to a mad dash. Let's get ready for an opening bell here uh, about 13 minutes or so from now. Apple, it's I, had quite a year. I only want one present. I've told everyone. Yeah. I've told my kids. I know I've told you my want. wife. I want the ear things. Yes. Uh, David, I've told everyone because I think no one's going to be able to find them. Tony Saganegi, and I want the pros so it's a good noise cancellation. cancellation. Tony Saganegi, this is a piece of brilliant work at Bernstein, and I love Tony. I'm going to say that right now. I love him. Super guy. Super Am I making that clear? People say, are you friends? I say, we're good friends. People say, how good friends? I say, we're great friends. We're lifelong friends. David, he says, AirPods could be huge for 2020, but then watch out on the other side. It could be terrible. The other side of what? It means in 2021, he, he's predicting a dramatic deceleration in AirPod revenue growth. So, I mean, in other words, he's saying 2020 is going to be gigantic, but look out. 2021 is going to be it. David, this is, this is it, David. This is it. It's what? I really don't know. But I would say that the, the, the consensus AirPods are way too low and AirPod Pro way too low. And we're beginning to start talking about the product as if it is an iPhone. And that's what really matters. It's something else, the ancillary, that actually could move the needle. A lot of people feel that there's nothing ancillary that could ever be near the phone. This piece makes, makes it sound like, look out, this actually may be that big. And so far, my kids have not, have not been able to come up with the uh, Pro. Right. Uh, they are hard to find. Yes. When do we expect that Apple's going to somehow increase production to meet they've never been demand? able to, They've never been able to meet demand for the AirPods. So how are they going to meet demand for the Pro? Is that not amazing? And no one talks about it. Who has that kind of high-quality problem right now? Who has that kind of demand for something? But no, see, first of all, Tim Cook's never invented anything interesting at all. Well, uh, obviously, it's the company that's inventing things. No, you that was, uh, that was facetious. Uh, no, I understand what you're saying, but I, you always like to attribute it literally to one person. David, though he's sitting in his office um, coming um, up um, with this stuff. Then the other thing I want to show you, see, this is an Hermes tie. Yes, I'm aware. And I'm going to let you wear it for the second half of the show because I just can't take you seriously whatsoever. Uh, but anyway, this is the Tony Saganegi actually has the guts to talk about today. how bad so this is nice. going to be in 2021. Yeah. That is not, that's not as rigorous as I'd like. You, this, you this have pointed is out your differences advised, with Mr. Saganegi. It's advised suboptimal research. Right. Okay. Watch out on the other side. Watch out on the other side. Right. Yeah. Hell's half an incredible year. Jordan Rivers deep and wide, but the, when they get to the other side, it's going to be awful. The comparisons are going to be tough a year after the yeah. incredible year. Elizabeth Warren loves this piece because it's about taking rich people's money away from them. Okay. Well, stick around. we got a lot more things that we're going to hear from Jim, myself, all of our reporters. We're going to talk a lot about that trial that's going to wrap up, actually, today uptown involving uh, the states. And Elon Musk. And T-Mobile. No, Tesla. Tesla. I have nothing to say about Tesla other than 420. You're going to tell me what 420 means later on. I know what it means. We're back after this. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. (gasps) It's Jean Foot. (laughs) And he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. 
no one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGM, a leading global asset manager. All right. A little less than seven minutes before we get started with trading here. You can see we are set up for what would be a higher open for the markets as we hit some records yesterday. We'll keep an eye on the S&P 500, the opening bell, just a few minutes away. You're watching CNBC's Squawk on the Street. We are live from the financial capital of the world. It's not London. It's New York. All right. All right. Why not? Three and a half minutes to go before we get started here uh, with trading. All right. Always gives me a chance uh, when our dear colleague Carl is uh, taking the day uh, off to ask you at this point, what is the key to this market? Meaning, what is sort of one of the keys you see to sort of sentiment trading that's going to go on today? It's going to be AMD, David. AMD. Yeah, you know, uh, Wedbush says something that a lot of people are starting to really realize is that these Intel manufacturing problems aren't getting any better. They continue to bedevil. PC makers, but you know who has the chips and is winning everyone. Now, Andy Grove were alive today. He would not believe this. The Jerry Sanders AMD was really kept alive, I felt, by Andy Grove in order to make it so they didn't have a monopolistic a case by the Just Part against them. But AMD has got it. $39 goes to $51.50 at Wedbush. That's right. Lisa Sue does not crow. Never once has she ever even mentioned the name Intel to me in all my interviews because it's not her style. But, David, they are the winner and new champion semiconductors. AMD now sporting a $47, $48 billion market value. Isn't that incredible on the balance sheet? You know, the first thing she did was clean up the balance sheet, giving how thorough she is. Rick Hill, the genius who was behind Novellus that was sold to Lamb, uh, and also by the, the incredible Symantec, told me she worked for him. The most rigorous thinker that he has come across. Um, what she's he, IBM, you know. She's, I mean, you know, she's I know, uh, MIT. You, she's not West Coast. No, I continue to believe that the East Coast people are every bit as smart other than Jensen Wong. Oh, I like her because she grew up in Queens. She's but, from Queens. Uh, um, Dan, her husband's fantastic. You talked about this chip shortage yesterday as well. Not just it's Intel, just but you talked about it in relation to Micron, and then you also mentioned obviously HP. Inc. Yes. Uh, because of their reliance on Because they're going to miss the Intel first quarter. Chips. They will miss the first quarter because they're too reliant. But I just think that this move of AMD is the move of the year. If we were doing the show the last day of the year, I would say the AMD move is probably the most seminal move I've seen in ages. Taking an all-saran company and making a powerhouse in maybe 18 months. It's been quite a thing to watch. And, you know, the stock did come off dramatically, as you know, from sort of, what was that, early in late 18 during the, and then the fall last year, and then this year, of course, it's well, just been- There's also reacceleration of the data center. Yep. That is fantastic for AMD. Uh, when you get offline with people out west, whose chips do they think are, are the best other than NVIDIA's? It's AMD. They have a new iteration. Uh, Lisa Sue uses these cities in Italy as Rome, Naples, 
and I said, listen, when you start the getting names, you mean. Yes, yeah. when you start getting Fornichet where my house is, now we're going. Check that house out one of these days. All right, the applause building, of course, uh, they do that every day, but in particular on a Friday when you know you're going to be on vacation soon. We don't talk about that. You want to actually... Uh, David, really Winnebago. The millennials are back buying Winnebago. Owner and developer, of course, of commercial and residential real estate, including the South Street Seaport, not far from and here. And name. And Chairman name. Re- filed that 13D saying he wanted to talk to management. I thought that was the funniest. Yeah, it was. Of course, funny 13D. The chairman. They didn't sell the company, though. Remember I no. did that story? Then they went out and tried, and they couldn't find buyers. David, why do you think that well, suddenly... Let me get to the NASDAQ real quick. Just tell right. people. Elevate network, global community for professional women doing the honors there. Thank you. David, what do you think about all the stories about Goldman and the Justice Department and one and MDB? Because the Justice Department doesn't talk. And Goldman doesn't talk. So why are we so sure about it's $2 billion? Why are we so sure it's going to happen soon? Someone's talking. And when Goldman puts this behind them, we're going to be talking about the revolution at Goldman, the, uh, the, the retailization of the company, and the credit cardization of the company. And people are going to like that, even though this is certainly not the Goldman that I worked at. Um, I don't know where those leaks are coming from. I'm certainly not coming from Goldman. Yeah. As for the DOJ... I don't know. I don't know how much they talk. Um, the journal yesterday reporting it could be about $2 billion. That's below what had I, sort of been the originally was, The word was that they took a $5 billion, uh, they have $5 billion right. reserve. And don't forget, they're also dealing with the Malaysians. Yeah, they got who that. Who are also team. working that. Well, the Malaysians are after everybody. But they, right. I mean, meanwhile, they were right at the center of the actual. Well, the big fraud. on those bonds that they sold, David, red flag. It was a red, red flag. flag. There have been some questions there about risk controls that Goldman has claimed was not really it was not really out of line with what others would have done. I hear different things. But to your point about Goldman, which is down a bit today, up 37% for the year, uh, sporting a market cap slightly below that of its one-time main competitor, Morgan Stanley, but they yeah. sort of diverged but in terms of fin- their business models to it, some extent. But it finally has a 10 multiple. It does. And the people I know at Goldman were horrified when it had when it was in the bottom, the bottom decile yeah. of multiples. Almost, David, where the multiple of Viacom is. Um, Seven multiple. We'll talk about Viacom and its latest deal. The stock has been moving up uh, this week, but on Goldman, Jim, Mr. Solomon is pushing change pretty quickly within oh that organization. Oh, my. And I've been working a lot on the Apple card. Uh, the, the, the cultures are just not synonymous. A, a credit card company, which is Apple, which, yeah. of course, says in its ads, you know, not, not with the bank. Well, of course, the bank is Goldman. But I just think that if it really gets rolling, Goldman's going to have to spin it off. Mm-hmm. Not unlike other It's just, just under the same roof. It's just... Hard to imagine. But isn't it central to a certain extent to the overall efforts they're making? I'm not sure. You know, outside of the large institutional business? I think that they've done a good job building it out. I think that the other banks are quite jealous. Uh, But they could never do it because the rate that Goldman, that Apple wanted, would have made it so every other major credit card, uh, credit card user would have said, "You got to give us that rate." You know, an American airline. You know, I don't know whether you what's in your wallet, (laughs) but the uh, the airline credit cards, for instance, they would all come in and say, "Listen, we want Apple's rate." 
I don't know. But they only have one customer, and that gets so therefore they are in a no-conflict situation. But, David, it's so secretive, you can't find out a thing. And yet I've been working endlessly to see how it's doing. And the work that I've been doing says it is a phenomenal success. I know you've been saying that. Well, no, but, but, but David, no one else has done any work on it to speak of. They haven't? No. Well, it's hard to do the work on it. It's very early. Well, I do what's called reporting. Um, the KBW Bank, I mean, index, it's the had a, quite a move. Well, I mean, because the, David, the, the yield curve. The, the yield uh, David, And those the banks, I mean, Goldman has lagged some tens. of the larger names. Well, not much, but I mean, no, but Morgan up 41%, Bank of America up 42%. But, City is up 50% Well, this City year. was selling at below tangible book. Look at the move Mike, there in the last... Mike Corbett was buying back 8% August. of the bag. Really the CEO. 8% of the stock every single year. Uh, and it, it was just way too cheap versus the group. Remember, though, it's really still a fintech year. It's a MasterCard. Shout out to Lisa Ellis. Done unbelievable work at your friend Moffitt and Nathanson's place. True. But if I bought that index, I'm outperforming the S&P. I'm pretty happy. David, you were dealing with the Powell bear market. Powell set all these banks back. It, you know, we are in the thick right now of when Powell was really destroying the economy. A year ago? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but he rookie, come back second year, he's come back kid, sophomore years, no slump there. No. No. And then we head into next year with the expectation that rates are not going to do much of no. anything. I think that's, yeah, look, I think that the economy reaccelerated after the Fed cut. Uh, you get that from retail, you get that from, except for, you know, obviously the retailers. Well, and right like now Michael there seems stores. to be a belief that there is an, uh, an acceleration. And we, you have pointed out, and I have as well, and we've been talking to uh, CEOs who do business around the world, that Europe is even starting to see Europe some. Europe is seeing, well, remember, Europe is, as, as Fred some signs said, of life. it had been a collateral damage of the trade war. Yes. That is, the trade war diminishes. That well, is absolutely terrific. Bullets, as, as you've quoted, Rick, as I Fred like Smith that. said in their conference call. That was, was still yeah. the worst conference call of the year. Really? Yeah. That was the worst one of the year. Yeah, that was horrible. The FedEx call. Alan Graff saying at one point, CFO, it's the bottom. It's the bottom. You, you don't do that. Now, Sanjay Morocho called the bottom, and he said, it's the bottom. It's so, all the inflection. So you just don't like the way that they inflected when they said it was the bottom. It was bad inflection. At FedEx. They inflected But you poorly. liked it at Micron, and therefore Micron he infle- he was believed well. as a bottom, but FedEx is not because... Well, it's like a bottom, like it. It's like okay. it's a seven, a team that's seven and seven right now, and it's like yeah, it's the bottom, and then they lose out. I didn't uh, care for it. Um, I want to come back to the trial that we've been following. I don't know how many others have, but I certainly still continue to believe it's pretty important. Uh, Sprint and T-Mobile. Yes, this is going to be the price. Union, how much you're going to pay for Soft, this? SoftBank, obviously, the owner of Sprint, very much watching this closely. Uh, Dish the beneficiary of the divestitures that would take place in its attempt to create a fourth, what would be, because you'd have four and three getting together, a fourth wireless nationwide player uh, in 5G. All this at play. The, the um, closing stay, stay arguments are not going to be till January, but today they're starting. They just started uh, at 9 a.m. Uh, up the street here from here. Uh, and the states are going to be calling a couple of witnesses, Dr. Fiona Scott Morton, um, uh, and Dr. Carl Shapiro. These people are, please, are economists. They are. They're both economists. They're both going to talk. I mean, Carl they, Shapiro was involved with the previous. With the, with the Time Warner. Time Warner. Yes, he He's was. He's hilarious. Yeah, he was. Good, uh, hilarious economist. They have, 
the states have said why they believe it would be any competitive, but they haven't had somebody also attack the remedy. Remember, that's the DOJ part of this. Where And you heard Sorkin talking about this at the very end. He squeezed it in there. The DOJ is going to file around right. 10 o'clock. They're filing, which is expected, saying why all the things they did and what they did are pro-competition in terms of allowing this deal to go through. I will say this. When this trial began with the New York State AG being one of the leads here, a New York democratically appointed judge and foregoing to three and the HHI scores and how easy it would be given precedent to just say this is anti-competitive, I'm going to issue an injunction. Going in, many people believe, Jim, 65, 70% chance that the states would win. Really? But given... Yes. I've read oh, meetings. Yeah. I don't think that... Well, I now, think since the then, I will tell you that the people who watch these things closely, and again, I mean, let's putting a percentage on it very difficult, believe that, that it's come closer to 50-50. Yeah, I think that's that, uh That the arguments put up, that Ergen did a good job, Charlie Ergen, of course, Dish's uh, founder, chairman, did a very good job sort of in terms of giving credibility to the idea yeah. that there would be, that he would be a, a real potential competitor. Uh, and so... We'll see. We're not going to get a decision. Why does for a it while, not get the, the coverage that it deserves? Since it's determined, it's probably the most inflationary. It could really change the CPI. Why don't people talk about it? I, I don't know. You do. It's incredibly important. The tower stocks really ran yesterday, by the way. Did they? Tower stocks have been running. I think it has to totally do with your trial. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dish also uh, had a nice move, a bit of a nice move. Facebook well. just reversed. So what What newspapers attacking Facebook? Someone want to get that? Pull the negative piece. Just um, a article today in the Journal, of course, citing that big rally in biotech. We've talked about the overall rally in healthcare related to Elizabeth Warren's poll numbers to some extent. But also when it comes to biotech, of course, a number of successes, a number of large, huge premium deals for smaller cap companies by the big guys. And I'm watching some of the big guys today. Merck is up 1.6%. David, the move uh, this time was because of the Lily's incredible, up 1.4%. incredible. Dave Ricks came on Mad Money. Yep. Eli Lilly. Yep. Uh, David, the idea that Eli Lilly has this unbelievable pipe and it was only selling at 20 times earnings in retrospect was Warren. Now, Elizabeth Senator Warren yesterday seems like one of many. Speaking of uh, Elizabeth Warren. What do you got? Uh, last night in Los Angeles, as you know, seven Democratic candidates squared off in the presidential debate. The Iowa caucuses, by the way, are now just weeks away. The economy among, of course, the major issues discussed. South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg said the record-setting stock market is not indicative of how many Americans are faring in this economy. Where I live, folks aren't measuring the economy by how the Dow Jones is looking. They're measuring the economy by how they're doing. When you're doing the bills at the end of the month at your kitchen table, and you find that even if your wages have gone up, it's not nearly going as fast as the cost of health and housing. This economy is not working for most of us. It was an interesting line there. Of course, I agree with him. The Dow is not the way to measure it. You want to use the S&P, as you well know. And look, there, is trillion, there are trillions of dollars in wealth being created. Uh, I, don't, I think the mayor, Mr. Mayor is... Uh, did a lot of credible stuff last night, but I think that there is a component that does matter because of 401ks. There's some changes in 401ks. They added annuities. I don't know why they did that. Uh, healthcare has not been resolved, and your healthcare premiums did go up because ACA was not allowed to be adjusted. 
had they been uh, had Congress subsidized certain districts right. where there was too much too many pre-existing, so nobody wanted to write, it would have lowered your health care bill. So I would not say health care is still a, a black hole. Uh, it is. It really is. And I a had, lot of it know, is just the last ten days of life. You look at what hospital charges are for ten something, times. They mark up cancer and drugs you just ten have times. Absolutely no idea. But, still, what you're paying for. But why can't age. why can't miscellaneous Congress, miscellaneous? Right. But why can't Congress investigate? I mean, for instance. Eli Lilly has a drug, an insulin drug, that's half price of their other insulin drug that they provided. Right. But the formularies, the big drugstores, are not using it. Yep. So why aren't the drugstores being called to account? But no, because the lunacy of the healthcare system is that they just blame the healthcare system. But I've got the villains. I have, I have a lot of the villains are very, very easy to find. And they are, if you just had some serious hearings, you would hear why things are marked up, how they're marked up, and who's marking them up. And a lot of it would be the hospitals. Um, there was also an interchange between Buttigieg and Warren about campaign donations. Buttigieg holding fundraisers in Came which in. Came very in. wealthy people are bam, attending. Bam. Uh, Warren taking issue with that. Take a listen. We made the decision many years ago that rich people in smoke-filled rooms would not pick the next president of the United States. Billionaires in wine caves should not pick the next president of the United States. Mr. Mayor, your response. You know, according to Forbes magazine, I am literally the only person on this stage who's not a millionaire or a billionaire. So if this is important. This is the problem with issuing purity tests you cannot yourself pass. That was interesting. Yeah, the wine cave. Uh, smoke-filled rooms, I think, is, is, it takes you back a little bit. People yeah. don't, the thankfully, broker. smoke any longer, the for the finish. most part. Certainly not very wealthy people who seem to want to live forever uh, and are very focused on the latest in, uh, of ability to actually extend their life as far as possible. So I don't, I don't, I think she should get rid of these smoke-filled rooms. Yeah, that was uh, um, Craig and Catherine wine, wine caves, I kind of get a little more because that is certainly something when you amass great wealth, you're always looking for new things to spend it on. And we all know a lot of people who like their wine. Yeah. It's just it, one more thing I can buy. There are uh, you're going to value it under a wealth tax. Elizabeth Warren's going to be interesting. But. Yeah, there are a number of, of wine caves. Yes, uh, this was the hall. That was very good. Uh, but David, that was one of the funnier moments of the comp. Uh, but no one was laughing. There was no laughing. Um, the debates will continue. Only seven people on the stage. Of course, it did not include Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York, who is running, but is funding his own campaign. Yes. So. But I do think that if you look at, at what was matter, for, what was consequential for the economy, I, I did think the Chinese discussion was rather extraordinary. I mean, it really was just to hear the other day, Eamon Jabber spoke a story that no one paid any attention to. It was driving me crazy. That Kissinger's been doing uh, shuttle diplomacy between, uh, between Beijing and the president. And one of the things that's come, up, come out of that was President Xi is hoping that President Trump wins because he does not care for the field of Democrats because they're worried about other issues, including, David, human rights. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know that was a question came up about the about boycotting the 2022 Olympics? Now, Trump would not boycott those Olympics, but this is Shanghai Olympics. If it happens, David, if it happens, if the Democrats pull this up, 
David, it's going to be, you want to see a trade war? Right, well, uh, 1980 is when we boycotted the Olympics in Russia, of course, due to their invasion of Afghanistan. Uh, but let's not talk any more geopolitics. Let's get back to the markets and check in with Seema Modi. She's on the floor for Dave, Seema. Good morning, David. Interesting discussion. Another day, another record high for the S&P and NASDAQ. The NASDAQ now just about 100 points away from breaking 9,000. Also in focus this morning is oil trading at a three-month high. Now the S&P 500 with today's gains on track for its fourth straight week of gains. Uh, mixed headlines on China overnight. First, China's top ag consultancy said China can meet uh, a pledge to purchase $40 billion per year of U.S. ag products. Separately, another report says that Chinese President Xi Jinping is planning to skip the World Economic Forum in Davos, uh, dampening hopes of a summit taking place there with President Trump. But uh, a lot of positive calls this morning on Nike. Yes, the stock is trading down following strong earnings last night. Higher average selling prices helping offset some of the negative impact of tariffs. Greater China sales up 23 percent versus the 27 percent sales growth it saw last quarter. Uh, shares are down about 1 percent right now. But Nike's management, worth noting, very positive on the strength of the global consumer on the earnings call last night referencing the uh, passion for sport, sports and active lifestyles, growth in emerging markets, and that its digital initiatives are paying off. You compare those comments with what FedEx CEO Fred Smith said earlier this week, that Germany is struggling and that he sees China's slowdown continuing through the first half of the year. Uh, it's yet another example of this split between a strong consumer story playing out and the struggling manufacturing, manufacturing and industrial part of the economy. And in fact, on that note... Take a look at shares of U.S. Steel, uh, down now over 8% on a dividend cunt, a warning on guidance and on pace for a second straight down year. It's also closing a mill in Detroit, the CEO of U.S. Steel, blaming current market conditions. Remember, steel tariffs went into effect in early 2018. Guys, that stock down 32% this year. David, back to you. Seema, thank you. Seema Modi. Let's head to the bond pits now. Check in with Rick Santelli at the CME Group in Chicago. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, David. You know, pretty much all week, treasuries, especially the long-dated, the long end, you know, 10s, 30s, have been knocking on the door of resistance above the markets in yield, not quite penetrating, not so much on the short end. Look at a two-day of two-year, unchanged on the day. Open it up to a one-week chart, we're up two basis points. Really has been a very consolidated, tight move in the short end while the Fed's in pause mode. If you look at a two-day of 10s, Right now, they're also up one basis point, so not a lot of big movement on any of the curve today, but tens are up 10 basis points on the week as you open up the chart. As a matter of fact, so are 30-year bonds. So we've seen a steepening of tens to twos of eight basis points thus far this week. And if you open the one week of tens up to November, you can see the resistance I'm talking about. I have a lot of emails uh, where Traders are looking at the quote-unquote double top around 195. So whether it's going to actually hold or not, if you get through, look for some quick follow-through, then assess if it can stay above resistance. And finally, if it does open the chart up to July, that's where we'd be comping to. Same month, actually, that Boons are comping to as they hover around minus 23, some of their best levels since the 4th of July as well. David and Jim, back to you. Okay, thank you, Rick. For the Bond Report, please uh, make sure to check out our podcast. You can listen to the opening bell hour of Squawk on the Street wherever you listen to yeah, podcasts. You have a tie on that picture. Uh, I will have a tie on most of the time. It's Friday. It's very nice. I know you sleep with a tie. 
much you Why might not? want to try. Why not? You want to give it a shot. I'll try I relaxing. It. I do it with my boxer shorts, which it really works. We're back after this. All right, we've got more news on the failure of that Boeing Starliner. Let's get to uh, Morgan Brennan at uh, the Kennedy uh, Space uh, uh, Center. <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> oh, Florida. Um, uh, that's right. So we've got a press conference underway right now uh, as I speak to you um, with NASA, Boeing, and United Launch Alliance officials. Uh, here's the key headline from this uh, press conference so far. Boeing's Starliner spacecraft will not be able to rendezvous with the International Space Station. However, it will remain in orbit. They are going to keep it in safe orbit, collecting data, and they are going to return Starliner to Earth via the White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico in about, New Mexico in about 48 hours. That's the earliest landing they can do. It's going to be 7.30 a.m. on Sunday, although that, too, could change. In this conference, though, um, stressing that the spacecraft looks healthy, that it was the absolute right decision to come back, to come home with it. And Jim Bridenstine, uh, the NASA administrator, saying repeatedly that Actually, today, a lot of things went right, and this is exactly why they test. Uh, so it was an automation issue here. Basically, the um, as soon as Starliner separated from the upper stage of that Atlas V rocket, it was supposed to begin burning. That didn't happen. It happened. The engines were supposed to begin burning. Uh, and also noting that if people, which is what the spacecraft is ultimately designed to carry, that if people were on board, astronauts are trained, they could have intervened, uh, they would have been safe, and that they probably could have taken the spacecraft to the correct orbit and ultimately been able to dock with the International Space Station. So that is your headline right now. Boeing Starliner uh, is destined to return to Earth in the next 48 hours. However, wrong to call it a failure, not a failure, definitely an anomaly, and apparently they're continuing to collect a lot of information and, and, and make as much success from this mission as possible. Morgan, thank you. Uh, we'll be checking back in with you, of course, uh, in the next hour. Morgan Brennan, um, not a failure, but not a success. No, no. Uh, there's no, there's no pass-fail, but David, no. Arnold Donald, one of the good men. One of the Arnold good guys. Donald, the Carnival. CEO of Carnival. Blew the numbers away. This industry's on fire again. And uh, I salute him. He's on closing bell. Carnival, blow away. This is your stop trading, of course, that, that we're is, talking yeah, about that was right my now. stop trading. Yes. Um, and I'll get you a tie. It's not a problem. I have a closet full. I have a bunch of ties. I'm just yep, choosing it, not to wear one. I knew that this would upset you, and I still chose to do it. Even, even Wilfred Frost chose me to respect by not doing it. Well, he wears uh, a tuxedo underneath at all times. Bond. James Bond. Shaken. Yes, not, not stirred. stirred. All right, back to Carnival Smurf. for a second. Is that a, re- is that a reflection of the consumer economy and the yes. health of the consumer as well? And yes, and I also have paychecks one tonight, which is another reflection of a very good situation. David, things are good. I hate to say that, but things are good. Just kidding. I like to say it. I'm going to miss you this weekend going to the Eagles game with my daughter. That's nice. Yeah. I'm going to miss Flying you next week. Flying to Spain. I might be here. You don't know. I, I could be a simulation. Wherever you are, Congratulations, I know Elon one Musk. thing. You're going to be wearing a tie. Always. On vacation. Always. Doesn't matter. Put them anywhere. You've got a tie on.
You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.